We'll ask the help of the Holy Spirit as we open God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray, Lord, that they will not be just words on a page or a familiar story, but that your Holy Spirit will fall afresh upon our hearts this morning. Turn our stony hearts into hearts of flesh. Cause us again to embrace what it is to be loved by the Lord Jesus Christ and help us to apply it to our everyday life. For we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. During this uh, COVID, um, all of us have watched some television, haven't we? I think we've watched virtually every program that's ever been made and the history of television, I think. Gwen goes through them all and we say, we've seen that, we've seen that, we've seen that. And you're looking for something half decent to watch, aren't you? And there's not very much left. But one of our favorite programs that we do always enjoy is a program called Homes Under the Hammer. Do you ever watch that program? A fantastic program, a very simple idea. What happens is the presenters identify a house and that has potential, but often when they visit it, it's very run down, very dilapidated, and eventually it goes to an auction. And there you see the people bidding at the auction and they buy this house on the, the fall of the hammer. And then it goes back to them when they go back to the house and sometimes they're absolutely horrified with the state of the place. They haven't realized it's bad as it is, as it actually is. But there the presenter will say to the person who's newly bought the house, well, what are your plans? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to skim the walls, put a central heating system in, we're going to rewire it, replumb it, we need a new bathroom, a new kitchen. Uh, you think to yourself, uh, they've got to do pretty well everything. What's your budget? They always say to them, oh, well, we think, you know, we know a few people and that. We'll get it done for 20,000. 20,000? That'll be excellent if you can do that for 20,000. So away it cuts. And then they come back. And they say, oh no, they also say to them, how long will it take? And they say, oh, well, we'll work hard, six months. And then it cuts back to it and it says, three years later. <laughs> three years later, they go back again. And anyway, there you see the transformation, the restoration of the house. It's been plastered, it's got a new bathroom, it's got a new kitchen. And there's a complete change to the appearance of the house. And of course, that's wonderful, isn't it? To see the restoration from what it was, broken down, dilapidated to this place that is palatial. Uh, and then they say, well, how much is it worth? Oh no, they say to them, how much have you spent on it? Did you stay within your budget? Oh, well, we went over a bit, 50,000. Oh dear, that's double over your budget. But then they get the estate agents here and they say, well, what did you pay for it? And they said that 100,000, well, it's worth 200,000 now. And they're pleased that their restoration work is going to make a profit for them. The Apostle Peter is in need of restoration. He's completely broken down like one of those houses before it has been restored. What has happened to Peter is, as you know, he has said to the Lord Jesus, I will die for you. I commit myself fully to you. I will even go to the extent of dying for you for, on your behalf for your word. But then on a cold night in the high priest's courtyard, three times he denies he's ever even known him. I don't know the man, 
he says to a young girl who says, surely you're one of them. And now Jesus has, has been crucified. And now Jesus is resurrected from the dead. But Peter is still broken. Because Peter knows how much he's let the Lord down. And he's let himself down. And so he turns to the other disciples who are with him. Still feeling broken and wretched and without purpose and without direction. And he says to the other disciples, let's go fishing. You know, that's a natural thing to do, isn't it? When you're discouraged in your faith, you go back to the things that you did before. That is our danger within the church. The people have been so long without going to church that their priorities have changed and the Lord Jesus Christ now is near the bottom of the list. And we go back to the things we used to do before. We go back to work, we go back to doing the things and the habits and the practices we did before and we shut the Lord out of our lives. And Peter was discouraged. Peter was a broken man. So out they go onto the Sea of Galilee again. The seed of so many times when he'd met the Lord Jesus Christ and they go fishing. And they fish through the night and they catch absolutely nothing. And as they're returning again to the shore, there is a person standing on the seashore shouting to them, what have you caught? And they don't recognize him. Perhaps it was the light wasn't bright enough for them to see it. Or perhaps the Lord had veiled himself from them. But they shout to him. He shouts to them, should I say, what have you caught? And they shout back, nothing. And Jesus calls again to them, cast your net to the right side of the boat and you'll find some fish. I wonder if they cast their minds back to the other great catch they'd had early on in Jesus's ministry before he was crucified and resurrected when they'd had that miraculous catch of fish but again they catch a wonderful haul of fish and there in verse 7 the disciple that Jesus loved who's in the boat who is John who wrote this gospel says to Peter it's the Lord what I like about Peter is that although he is broken and although he had walked on that Sea of Galilee before, he puts his clothes on and he jumps in the water. He wants to be with the Lord. He wants to meet the Lord again. Although he is broken, he has a desire. He is irresistibly drawn again to the Lord Jesus Christ. And there that wonderful phrase where it says, Jesus cooks the breakfast. I'm going to go home and Gwen's going to do me a couple of poached eggs. But it's going to be nothing like the fish supper that Jesus served that morning. And so then we see the Lord Jesus is dealing with Peter. And the restoration process begins. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is going to take this broken, defeated, and a man feeling worthless. And he is going to restore him again to someone that he had first called the rock. But the important thing to understand now in these this, this short discourse is this. It's the meaning of the word love. Jesus says on three occasions, do you love me? And in English, love is one word. But in the original and in the Greek, it is crucial that we see the way in which Jesus was talking and the type of love that Jesus was referring to. 
For in the Greek word, in the Greek, the word that the Lord Jesus is using is the word agapus. And what he is saying to Peter is this. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me with a deep love? Do you love me with a sacrificial love? Do you love me with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength? How much do you love me, Peter? I desire that you love me this much. And Peter's reply is this. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. But the love that Peter responds to Jesus with is, the, is, is seen in the Greek as the word philo. This is the love of a brother or love of a friend. So Jesus is saying to Peter, do you love me with all your heart? Do you love me completely and totally and unconditionally? And Peter is saying, I love you as a friend or as a brother. Peter doesn't reciprocate the depth of love that Jesus is asking him. But Jesus then says to him, feed my lambs. Here we've got the beginning of the church. On the day of Pentecost, the church comes into existence and Peter has a tremendous role to play in the birth of the church. For here Jesus is saying to him, feed my lambs, feed the young ones, feed the new converts, the people who've just become Christians. He gives him a role of feeding the new converts. And so it is the second time that Jesus asks Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And again, he uses the word agapus. Do you love me with all your heart? Do you love me with the same depth of love that I have shown you by going to the cross? Do you love me that much? And Peter responds, I love you as a brother or as a friend. He does not reciprocate again this love that Jesus is looking for. But again, Jesus says to him this time, tend my sheep. What he's asking Peter to do now is to look after the flock, look after the Christian church, to tend them. That isn't just to feed them, that is to look after their well-being in all aspects, their health and safety, how they live, what they eat, where they go. That is similar to the ministers that we have here today, to Ian and Matt, as he begins his ministry in Formby. They are called by the Lord Jesus Christ to tend the sheep, to look after us. And we are certainly blessed here with Ian and with Matt. And we pray for them at Formby as he goes, that he will give that same care as we have received from him. But then a third time, Jesus asks the Peter the question again. Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? But this time Jesus changes the way he asks for love. And this time he asks him, do you love me as a brother? And do you love me as a friend? And Peter is hurt by this. Peter can see that he's downgraded the the love that he is asking him for. And he is hurt by this. You see, I think the answer to why Peter never gave his love unconditionally to the Lord Jesus Christ, because if anyone was out and out, it was Peter. 
was because prior to this, when he'd made that great statement that then he went on to deny, he didn't want to say it again. He didn't want to stick his neck out again and say, oh Lord, I'll love you, I'll die for you, I'll do anything for you. Because he knew how fickle his own heart was and how the possibility was that he would fail him again. So Peter held back. But I think the Lord Jesus Christ looked on his heart and could see his commitment because he says, then feed my sheep. He gives him responsibility as a pastor. He gives him responsibility with the most precious thing, which is his church. And the restoration work is complete. There he has gone from a broken and discouraged man, and now he is a minister and one who will lead the new church. How has that happened? Because Jesus has forgiven him. His three denials he's forgiven. Then he's restored him by giving him and showering upon him his love, his real, true love. And then he's given Peter something to do to serve him into the future. What is the challenge to us this morning from what Jesus says to Peter? The first thing he asks us this morning is do we love the Lord Jesus Christ? This is every one of us in this room now. Do we love the Lord Jesus Christ more than the material things, more than money, more than our houses, more than our jobs, more than our families? Do we love the Lord Jesus with the love that he has shown upon, showered upon us? And he has proved his love because he's gone upon a cross. And he asks you to reciprocate that love, to show him a depth of love, to show him real love, not just words but actually within your heart to show him that love and make him a priority in your life because the depth of that love is crucial. We must love him with all our heart and our mind and our strength and our soul and we say it so glibly in the first service every week. But I challenge you with this. Prove it. Prove it. If you say you love the Lord Jesus Christ, prove it. Don't prove it to me. Prove it to him. How can you do that? Very simply, by service. Here is a church with a golden opportunity for you to serve. Here is a church where there will be, God willing, when we come out of this COVID, there will be lots of opportunities to reach out to the people of Egbeth. What can you do to prove you love the Lord Jesus Christ? To give him something back for all that he's given you? What can you do? How can you serve? The people of Egbeth are waiting. It's a huge parish. Only a small percentage know anything about the Lord Jesus Christ. We will only win people of Egbeth through by forgiveness, love, and service. Will you commit with me to show the love that Jesus has given you and express it to them? It's a challenge. Jesus is saying this morning to you, prove it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for how you dealt with with your, through your son, 
with Peter. We see our own selves in the life of Peter. We start off with such great aspirations, but we fail and fail and fail again. And each one of us this morning is in need of restoration. Will you come by your spirit and give us your forgiveness? Will you come by your spirit and shower your love upon us? And will you commission us for a work to do that only we can do into the future? We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Paul, for sharing with us again. Brilliant challenge and a wonderful word. Often people say, I can't, I can't serve, I can't do anything. I'm not worthy. People often feel that they're not worthy to come and serve in different ways. But actually look at Peter. Don't you think every one of the biblical greats, if you like, felt like that? They all felt like that. And yet God works through us. If we are faithful, if we just come as we are, that's all we can do, isn't it? Come as you are. And God works through you in that way. Uh, we're going to go into a, a short time of prayer. So let's just, holding on to the words that we've heard, the challenge that we've had laid before us this morning, let's come before God and let's just pray together. Father, we give thanks for your word, the living word of God, which speaks and breathes today. Lord, we thank you for the challenge that Paul's laid before us. Lord, help us to live our life for you. Knowing that we'll mess up, knowing that we'll get it wrong, but yet you will continue to draw alongside, continue to restore, and continue to use us if we are faithful. We pray, Lord, for our church here. We give thanks for the restoration we've seen of this building, but Lord, it's just the building. We do pray for the restoration, Lord, of so many lives in this parish that this building will be used powerfully by you to bring about that change, that people will come to know you as Lord and Saviour. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray, Lord, for our schools, teachers, all those in education who return this week. Father, we pray, it, we know it's challenging. We know there's lots of complications. And having been out of that place of, of education for so long, Lord, it brings many challenges. For the children who are returning, Lord, they've been out of school for such a long time. We pray, Lord, that the transition back in would be smooth and seamless, that they'd enjoy being back in the classroom with their friends and learning. We pray for everyone's protection and safety and that you would bless all those uh, in, our, in our church here, Lord, our church family who are going back to school this week. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for those who are sick at this time and there are lots of people who we need to pray for. We all know different people who are suffering and struggling. And so in a moment of quietness, just an opportunity to bring before God anyone we care about who needs our prayers and just to name them before God. Lord, you know all the people we've named. Lord, you created them and you know them intimately. And we pray, Lord, that you would touch them in the way that only you can and that you'd bring about healing in body, mind and spirit. 
And we also pray for all those this day who are grieving, those who are mourning the loss of a loved one. And today we do pray particularly for the family and friends of Dot Potter, whose funeral took place this week. We also pray for the family and friends of baby Freddie, particularly remembering Jill and Janice, Lord, who are here today. Pray your blessing upon them, that you would comfort them in their grief and that you'd walk with them. Give them strength. And as a church family, Lord, we just pray uh, for uh, Margaret, who's lost her husband, Ed, Lord. We pray that you'd be near to Margaret Royce today and also to Janet Taylor, whose mum, Rosita, passed away yesterday, Lord. We just pray that you'd be very close to them as they adjust to a new rhythm in life. And all these prayers we bring before you, Lord, knowing that you are a God who listens and answers according to your will. Amen.